bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Monday, Birds fans. Appreciate your streaming on in. Start of another preparation week. Well, I don't know how much preparation is actually going on. We're preparing for an upcoming season, and we would be John McMullen and Jody McDonald, a.k.a. your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Jay Mac, were you riveted in front of the TV for all the USFL action this week? Stars, baby! I, I I don't know if riveted is the word not, uh, the the right word, but I did watch about the final ten minutes of the game. In fact, I felt pretty bad. I I guess the stars were winning most of the way, and as soon as I turned it on, I mean, as soon as I turned it on, Jody, uh, the generals took a a, a uh, kickback for a touchdown, and I'm like, oh, I screwed the stars. But if there's one thing. Uh, there's one certainty in life besides death and taxes. It's the Philadelphia Stars or Baltimore Stars in the USFL title game. And that's it. Four for four, baby. It took, I think, 37 years between three and four. But four <laughs> for four. Yeah, I had to wait a little bit for another Stars championship run. But they're in it again. And I'll be honest, I did not watch it. I forgot that it was on. Shame on me. It's all on me. That's your fault, McDonald. I forget what I was doing Saturday. Was I watching? Day- I might have been watching the Yankees get no hit. No combined hit. no hit. They almost got no hit twice in a row. <laughs> yeah, they were eight, six innings in yesterday before they got a hit. 16 yeah. straight innings, something like that. Uh, carry over from Friday night to Saturday to Sunday. But they actually rallied and uh, won in uh, late stages yesterday over Houston. So, yeah, I think I was locked into baseball and I completely forgot the USFL was on. Then I saw the score on my phone. I said, damn, I got to call McMullen. Stars going to the championship game again. And you were watching it. That's why you're more of a football uh, guru than I am. Um, let me ask you this question about the USFL. And, and congratulations to the Stars. I will try harder to watch the championship game next week. Somebody's got to watch it. How many people? I texted you and you said, oh, I think they had 2,000 strong at Canton or two. It's more than Birmingham. I'm not, you know, so 
you know, small steps. It was more than Birmingham. Okay. Uh, glad to know the attendance was up, that uh, you, could, you couldn't you could possibly count them uh, by yourself, that you had to go with uh, some kind of check the uh, tickets coming through the, the gate. Um, USFL, are we going to see any of these players start, players, any of the other players in the NFL this year? We've got rosters locked in at 90. Most teams have their 90. Are guys going to get, uh, listen, you're on our short list. If uh, we need somebody, want to have you ready to come in and try out at a minute's notice. What is the USFL 2022 going to do for the NFL 2022 as far as players go? Um, I, You know, I, I think a number of these players are going to get sort of invites to training camp, um, you know, as teams churn the back end of their 90 man roster. I think there's some value in, in playing. I've always thought that, especially a quarterback. I really do. I, I, to me, there's only so much you can learn sitting on the bench. If you're, you know, it can work. We've seen Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre, you know, Jordan love with Aaron Rodgers, not so much. I don't, I don't. And I go back to the old worldly because I'm old and, there were some really competent quarterbacks developed in that league, including a couple Super Bowl winners. One's in the Hall of Fame in Kurt Warner. That that league helped him. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. That league helped him. Jake DeLome made a Super Bowl. That league helped him. I've always thought, really, since that, that era, that, man, if you can play, if you can get reps at quarterback and you have some baseline talent, you could develop into something. Um, I think the same is is true at other positions, maybe not as noticeable. So I think playing is helpful. I mean, as you know, Jeff Stoutland calls reps bars of gold, real reps, and you don't get a lot of real reps in you know preparation for an NFL season now. Um, so I do think it could help, but you're talking about the, the main issue is obviously talent level. And it's interesting because, you know, you're a big Peter King guy. Peter King, uh, this is the time of year he goes on vacation, sort of hands off his column to to um, to other people, to guest columnists. Right. And he had uh, Paul Burmeister to talk about the USFL today. And he kind of mentioned he was going down that, you know, sort of second chance players who's got a chance to get a, a look in the NFL. But I do think you're going to see a, a, a number of players get signed and uh, in, in be in training camp, whether they can make a run at the NFL. But I mean, there's guys, the stars quarterback, Case Cookus, he was, he, he's been in camp with, I think, Denver. Las Vegas, Minnesota over the past two years, bunch of different giants, bunch of different teams. Kyle Sloter's been in camps and even played a little bit. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see the next Jake DeLome, never mind the next Kurt Warner, but I, 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 I do think there is value to live reps. I really do. That's one of the reasons why I asked you the question. And uh, again, shame on me for not catching any of the action this week. I will try and catch a championship game, but we'll see if any guys can jump up and actually make NFL teams. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the name. 
Case Cookus. Does that just sound like a quarterback name to you? <laughs> I don't know why. Shame on me uh, that, that, that I'm not giving the young man a chance. He's had a couple of chances in the NFL. Maybe he gets one more. I was waiting to check out the back of a jersey and see he hate me. Then I would have thought a guy had a chance to actually make a National Football League team. You need a little bit of a hook to get in. But the uh, sure enough, the stars have hooked another uh, championship appearance. Um, I, this weekend, I, I found myself starting to think about the upcoming season. We're still a month away. Yesterday was actually one month to the day from the Eagles opening of training camp. And all I could find as far as football information was Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. Now, I get it. This is Deshaun Watson week. The hearing starts on Tuesday. A lot of information is out there about what the NFL actually hopes to get as far as a uh, punishment for Deshaun Watson goes. They had settlement talks leading up to this weekend. They were kept under wraps pretty good until the weekend when it came out that, oh, the NFL is starting at a year minimum, and anything less than that is going to be something that they're not going to be happy with. John, how close were we? to having to deal with all of this. How badly did the Philadelphia Eagles want to acquire Deshaun Watson? Because right now, if you're a Browns fan going into this season, you're pulling your hair out going, we do have a quarterback. We don't have a quarterback. We're paying a quarterback. He's going to be out. The question is how long, an entire year? We're not going to have this new quarterback? This all could have been going down right here in Philadelphia. How close do you think it actually was? I thank my lucky stars every day. By the way, Jody, <laughs> I would hate to deal with that. I, we have John McLean on. He said that the best thing about it is he doesn't have to deal he with it. He doesn't have to deal every, with it anymore. Every single day. Um, how close was it? Not close at all. Uh, I mean, you know, to me, they're two different conversations, you know, but the, the Eagles badly wanted Deshaun Watson, but they never got close because the quarterback wouldn't uh, entertain coming to Philadelphia. Um, so it didn't come close like it came close in Miami, for instance, um, and obviously came close for Atlanta as well. Um, those were the two teams on the sort of precipice before, uh, and and the Dolphins at the trade day deadline last year, the, the Falcons this year, when the Browns came in at the last minute with the big you know, financial guarantee, kind of stole them and the Falcons should really thank their lucky stars, even though, you know, they don't have a quarterback and that's still a big issue. But as far as the player, the Eagles wanted the player. The Eagles always wanted the player. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie greenlighted acquiring the player. Uh, They just never had the option to do it. And I say it all the time. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, And it happens all the time in the NFL. You don't get one player. Um, you end up getting a better player. I, I just wrote about that at jacobsports.com with, with Trey Wayans. And, you know, everybody was talking about Trey Wayans, Trey Wayans because of his history with Jonathan Gannon. And sure enough, the Eagles did go after him. And he's contemplating retirement and says he is going to retire and said, you know what? He thought about it, thought about re- reuniting with, with JG, thought about reuniting with Anthony Harris and said, uh, I don't I don't think my heart is in it anymore. Eagles couldn't get it done. All of a sudden, James Bradbury, the Giants finally have to put him out there. The Eagles are able to get him in some unique circumstances. They end up getting a better player. 
if they sign Trey Waynes early in the process, they're not even thinking about James Bradbury when he becomes available. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I agree, you know, I agree 100% with you because I uh, was a guy who was beating the drum for Bradbury even before he was released by the Giants because <laughs> there was enough uh, smoke out there to make you believe that it was going to happen and that's exactly what happened. And the Eagles were Johnny on the spot to, pay, uh, to pick up a top flight fill-in starting cornerback uh, going into the 2022 season. So, uh, yes, I love the way you describe it and that's exactly the way it played out. Sometimes better lucky than good. Um We've talked about this plenty, too. I just want you to uh, confirm. Do you believe the number one reason that the Eagles did not end up acquiring Deshaun Watson was that Deshaun Watson just didn't want to undercut his buddy Jalen Hurts, that they were pals? Or do you think it was that his agent was getting feelers as to what kind of economic package could be cut as far as a contract extension goes? And the Eagles weren't willing to go up to and or near where the Browns went with all their guaranteed money. No, I, I do think uh, uh, Deshaun shut the Eagles down originally and continued because uh, of his relationship with Jalen Hurts. And his belief is uh, it's very difficult in general for African-American quarterbacks to get an opportunity in the NFL. That was very uh, uh, big for uh in, in Watson's mind, and this is how I describe it. If he didn't have any other options, he would have came to Philadelphia and he would have taken um, Jalen's so-called opportunity. But he had many, many other options. And until those options were going to be closed, um, he wasn't going to consider Philadelphia. And and Jalen Hurts was a big part of that. Um, and, yeah, but while I say that, then on the back end, Jody, I do believe in a different world, if the Eagles were allowed into the bidding, they would have not gone to where uh, Cleveland went. So either way, I, I don't even, I don't think they would have entertained that, that thought process. Fair enough. All right. One more question. I want to run by you and then we're going to punch up our first guest of the day. First timer, as a matter of fact, Emory Hunt, uh, football game plan and uh, CBS uh, Sports HQ going to hop aboard. Uh, good uh, game day film breakdown guy. Looking forward to getting him up. Uh, he'll join us in less than five. Uh, Cleveland Browns, we're going to find out this week. Probably not, but they'll start the process of uh, putting, and we'll go into this with Emery as well, even though he's a game film guy. Got to find out how he thinks this is going to play out with the independent uh, council that's going to decide and then the ability to kick it back to Roger Goodell. Oh, it's going to be such a mess the next couple of weeks. <laughs> but at some point, we're going to find out how much Jay, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson's going to miss. Who's going to be the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in the interim? Can they I've, really I've... go back to Baker Mayfield? With all the, the dirty water that's passed under that bridge, yeah. Can they? he's still on the roster. They haven't traded him. They haven't cut him. They told him, don't bother coming in for any camps. Uh, not that anybody works at any of these camps, as we found out around the league. Uh, but can Baker Mayfield really be the Browns quarterback again in 2022? I don't think so. Um, that's the way I would go. I would try to repair the relationship and say, you know what? You, you know, you can go prove yourself. You're back on the market next year. Maybe, you know, some of those knocks you took last year. But as you mentioned, there's so much 
negative stuff. Remember, you know, Cleveland said we need to get an adult in the room at the quarterback position. A lot of backhanded slaps at Baker Mayfield. I I don't think the 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 relationship is is repairable at this point. And I do think ultimately we've heard Seattle in the past week. We've heard Carolina for a long time. Somebody's going to make a move at some point for Baker Mayfield. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already because typically you want quarterbacks to be involved very early in the process. But those teams are really in need, uh, obviously. Um, and Matt Rule, I, I, I still focus on Carolina because he's coaching for his job. Man. I mean, he's got to win games or he's out. Uh, and he can't win games with Sam Darnold. So ultimately, I think there's going to be that. And then, you know, Cleveland brought in Jacoby Brissett. It seems that was their plan. They knew they were going to face a suspension. I think their hope was more of six games, maybe worst case scenario, 10 games. And they that was their plan. Jacoby will be the quarterback, and then we'll go to Deshaun. Um, now it might be a year, um, and it's probably going to be an ugly, ugly year in Cleveland, to say the least. It could be the end of Kevin Stefanski, and he's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who's uh, going to unfairly be judged. Uh, Matt Rule, at least in Carolina, has been his shell for a couple of years. Yes, Stefanski has not been the ringleader of what's gone down here in Cleveland, and he may end up paying a big price for it. But watch, watch out for that Matt Corral in Carolina. He might be able to step in year one. You and can ask Emory about Matt Corral. We'll get the I will do just That is something we'll start with that, as a matter of fact, then. Uh, Emery Hunt going to join us as our first guest of the day. It is a Monday. We're getting closer, folks. Yes, the NFL 2022 season will arrive. We promise you that. We may go kicking and screaming all the way up to it that we want some football. Uh, We'll certainly talk about it with you here on Birds 365. Emery Hunt joins us, our first guest of the day, first guest of the week, next here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, mama! <laughs> She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McConnelly on Bird 365. We add a third voice to the mix, a good one at that, uh, from Football Game Plan and CBS HQ NFL analyst Emery Hunt joins us here on Bird 365. Emery, how's your summer going? Going great, man. It's, it's nonstop football, and uh, congratulations to the Philadelphia Stars yeah. for getting to the USFL championship game. We've been covering USFL all spring. Yeah, Emory, you know you can't have a USFL championship game without the Philadelphia Stars or the Baltimore Stars. Four for four, baby. The Stars, it took them, what what I say, Jody, 37 years to get number four. <laughs> but anytime there's a USFL championship game, the Stars have to be involved. We were talking about it a little bit, and obviously you, you've been doing a lot of work with that league. Um, Jody and I, and, and I go, obviously I'm older, but I, I go back to the old world league and I, I start thinking about quarterbacks and I start thinking, you know, the Kurt Warner partially developed there, Brad Johnson, Jake DeLone, particularly at the quarterback position. How much do you think there is value in live reps, even in sort of developmental leagues, minor leagues, whatever you want to call them, quarterbacks have to play. Don't you think? And I see guys like that back in the day, and that's been missing, I think, that developmental aspect, at least a little bit in the NFL. Yeah, you can't fake live in practice. I don't care how much coaches want to simulate it or whatnot. Quarterbacks know they're not going to get hit, and you don't really know if a quarterback's tough or not until they actually get into a game where they can be hit. And and so playing live games helps that aspect to help you figure that out. And it's good to get these guys live reps because quarterback is one of the only positions where you can only play one at a time. And so playing in an alternate league and playing in a secondary league is great for these quarterbacks because now you get to see pro defenses, pro speeds, and pro uh, talent, just like you would, you know, we don't have any questions about a guy coming out of a power five and can he play at the pro level. But to your point about Kurt Warner coming out of the then one double A at Northern Iowa, we don't know if he can play against pro talent and higher you know, speed. So that's why playing against pro talent in these leagues, whether it's the USFL or XFL or, and to, to your point, the World League, that's beneficial because you need these guys to go up against a step up in talent. And these leagues provide that for these guys to get those live reps so you can then get a better grasp of what this guy can be and what his potential ultimately is. All right, Emery, give me a read on – USFL 2022. We've had a lot of other spring leagues, developmental league, competition, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but what level is this football being played at that the NFL has to try and evaluate? Looking at a guy in this league, yes, it's professional. Yes, they're being paid. No, it's not the NFL. How close? What is the drop-off? How would you label the quality of football being played in the USFL this year 
and then being able to try and come up with a determination whether a player from this league can actually play in the NFL. It's really good talent. It's I would say it's almost on par with or uh, it's right on par with the third preseason game. You know, these guys are right there on the cusp. Uh, they're playing competitive games. All of these games outside of one, uh, Michigan lost or Michigan beat Pittsburgh 24 nothing. But all of these games have been one possession games or maybe two possession games. But with the way the rules are set up, you're not really out of the game. So they've been close. They've been competitive. You'll see a handful of guys get opportunities. But for the most part, there is a lane for guys to be professional football players just outside the NFL level. I feel like we, we tend to get caught up in wanting to compare every spring league to a league that's been around since 1920. That's not going to happen. They're going to always get the best of the best. So we got to look at, okay, these guys can play football, obviously, uh, play it well, and there needs to be a lane for this. That's why I'm glad for the XFL because there's enough room for two of these professional leagues to thrive. Um, and so I feel like the, the level we've seen so far this spring from the USFL has been excellent. Go back to 2020 with the XFL. That has been excellent. So that tells you there's enough of next-tier pro talent that's available here in the States. Um, USFL championship game coming up next week in Canton, Emory. So once that's done and the stars are USFL champions, even Ooh. though they're going to be big underdogs, I assume, against – I think Birmingham was 10-1. and one. Is that right? Yeah. Um, but then so, again, New Jersey was 9-1. and one. Yeah, that's true. Um how much churn do you think there's going to be at the back end of NFL rosters? How many USFL players do you think are going to be sort of going in, getting an opportunity, earning an opportunity from playing in the USFL, essentially? Probably not as many as, as folks may think uh, because the financials don't make sense for an NFL team to take a USFL guy uh, that has had some opportunity in the NFL over a guy that's undrafted rookie guy, they could pay cheaper. It's it's about dollars and cents. So yeah. I feel like the NFL will always go cheaper, uh, more so than paying someone that's 26, 27 years old, um, a bigger salary. They want especially if you're talking about the bottom of the roster, that's where I think you know these guys, if you're a younger player, let's say if you're a part of the 2022 draft class and you did a, a great job of you know bypassing NFL you know, process altogether, jumping right into the USFL, you have a better chance because now you put together 10 games of new tape against professional talent so the NFL can reevaluate you, and then you have a better shot of going to the NFL because you're still young and cheap as opposed to the 27-year-old guy um, that has been solid in the USFL. It's going to cost a little bit more to get him up. He has to be over-the-top outstanding to get that opportunity. All right, and let's jump into the NFL. And I got to answer this question because John and I discussed it in our first segment. I'm a Matt Corral guy. Liked him a lot coming into the draft. Thought that he dropped in the draft and was surprised he wasn't picked earlier than he was. Carolina ends up getting him. Um, they've got a, let's say, up in the air quarterback situation this year. Sam Darnold, will they trade for Baker Mayfield? I think Matt Corral can go in there and maybe win that job if he's given a fair shot at it. You had to evaluate him for the upcoming draft, watched his collegiate career. How do you like the player as far as his future goes? Can he be a guy who, as a rookie, can come in and not embarrass himself and maybe win some games for Carolina? It's going to be interesting to watch because I view Matt Corral like how, how, I, how I view uh, Taylor Heineke for Washington. 
You know, they're about the same guy. You know, they're they're I think they're solid QB twos. But well, you hurt Jody, Emery. You hurt you hurt Jody. Look, you got to be honest, man. When, when, when he make when he makes a Pro Bowl, we're gonna get you back on, and you're gonna have to apologize not to me, but uh, Matt himself. And and here he's going to a situation where there is an opportunity for him to play and start, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna be the guy. But it, it's not a hard road to climb because you have Sam Darnold who can't, you know, stop turning the ball over. And Matt Corral has suffered a lot of the same things that Sam Darnold has suffered, um, injuries. Just when you start to see this guy play well, talking about Darnold, he gets injured and he has to hit reset. So you can't really depend on him to be out there for a full 17-game season. Corral plays a bit reckless for my taste, kind of like Taylor Heineke. You love the grit. You love the athleticism, but you got to know when to slide. You can't be out there you know, taking on hits like your Barry Word. You have to get out of bounds. Don't take the hit. And uh, live to play to the down. PJ Walker is another one that that gives you a little bit of the same things that Matt Corral does. So they have a bunch of guys that are kind of similar. So that's why preseason. And to your point, if it's going to be a real competition, yes, Matt Corral does have an opportunity to to win that job. But we'll have to see how it all plays out during the preseason. But for me, he's a, a solid QB two. Um, I don't know if he has that QB one uh, level type of consistency. P.J. Walker, former uh, Temple star who played in the XFL, by the way, I believe, Emery. Um, and I love the Barry Word reference, by the way. Love love the Barry Word reference, uh, former Kansas City back, um, big back as well. But uh, I want to talk about a big player here in Philadelphia, a, a projected big player, both literally and figuratively for the Eagles, and that's Jordan Davis. And... I, I want to talk about it because you, you know, czar the playbook, uh, footballgameplan.com, Emory Hunt. What does Jordan Davis do for a defense? What what does he bring to a Jonathan Gannon defense that the Eagles did not have previously? Uh, he creates one-on-one opportunities for a lot of people on the outside. And when you're 6'6", 350, but have the athleticism that he has, uh, you're going to command a double team. And I feel like his situation to me is sort of similar to the Giants' Dexter Lawrence. Just because he wasn't asked to do something doesn't mean he can't do something. When you watch Lawrence at Clemson and you watch Jordan Davis at Georgia, you see quickness off the ball. You see a potential for him to be a one-gap penetrator and get upfield and collapse a pocket in that way. But also you see someone that can demand a double team, that can be a potent run stuffer, but also create those one-on-one opportunities to free up guys that, that have a little bit more, you know, cachet to get to the quarterback. So I feel like he's going to be a, an added benefit uh, for this defense. Now, granted, it may not show up in the stat sheet. He may not have, you know, Aaron Donald like sacks, but who does? But his productivity will show up in how everyone else around him plays. I think he's going to be a fantastic player and, and great fit for Philadelphia. All right, Emory, I'm going to ask you about a first-year Philadelphia Eagles as well on the other side of the ball, and that's A.J. Brown, the skilled wide receiver and now highly paid wideout who will be joining the Eagles this year. John and I had some fun when he first uh, signed on with the Eagles when they first acquired him, trying to figure out where he ranks in the wide receivers in the National Football League. And it all comes down to how you define it. Are you talking just about what they've done so far? Are you projecting what they're going to do in the future? We think he's right at that cutting edge of the top ten. Some people have him eight or nine. Some people have him 11 or 12. 
How good can A.J. Brown be here in Philadelphia this first season playing, catching the football from Jalen Hurts? He could be really good. I think he's a top 10 receiver. You talk about someone that can win on the outside, that can win on the inside, that's great after the catch, that fights for the football, that really doesn't leave his quarterback hung out to dry um, out there on the field. So I love that fit for him um, in Philly. He has great rapport already with Jalen Hurts. And now you give the Eagles two number one wide receivers. And so if you're a defense, who are you going to shade coverage to? Because you also have to realize they have a great tight end too. And they have someone that can really stretch the middle of the field. Uh, that, that guy, that rotational slot guy can be whoever they want it to be. I think it should be Greg Ward. I think Greg Ward was underrated last year for Philadelphia. So Philly really has a lot of, great assets for them in the passing game along with the quarterback that jail in jail and Hurst that looks to keep his eyes downfield and find those those opportunities down the field with these receivers so I, I feel like with all that I just said AJ Brown should they shouldn't be a drop off from what we saw from him in Tennessee here in Philly uh, I want to talk to you about the vehicle that's getting AJ Brown the football as you mentioned Jalen Hurts he and AJ are very close uh, personally um, you know, it's interesting, Emory, when we started this conversation, we were talking about live reps. You can't, you can't, uh, fake live, you know, you need live reps. And I remember going back to camp last year, every day, you know, at times Jalen Hurts didn't look that good. And at times he, he looked frustrated because what did they try to do at practice? Protect the quarterback. You got the red Jersey on, you got the quick whistle. What does Jalen Hurts do? Well, extend plays, keep things going. And a couple of times he showed visible frustration when they blew the play dead because he knew he could do something. Sure enough, at the time, I kind of rolled my eyes. I said, well, the Eagles are playing this up. And and then it, it turned out to be true. He, he could extend plays in actual games, and we saw that development. We saw him turn into a Pro Bowl alternate quarterback. And – He's not a practice quarterback because some of the things he does so well, they don't let him do in practice. Uh, I want your take, though, on Jalen Hurts as a long-term prospect in this league. What is the ceiling? I think we've already seen the floor. How much higher can he go as a quarterback in this league? He, full disclosure, he was my number two quarterback coming out in that draft class. I had him right behind Burrow. So I was high on him as a prospect because of the innate ability he has to not only extend plays, but play through pressure. And if you can play through pressure, I want you as my quarterback. I don't care how tall you are, how far you can throw, how fast you can run. Can you handle pressure situations? And that's the most underrated element of quarterback play. So for me, I think his ceiling is still yet to be determined. I feel like he can be a Dak Prescott for Philadelphia, which is good. Dak Prescott has been fantastic for, for the Dallas Cowboys. When you look at Jalen Hurts and what he does really well, we hadn't seen Jalen Hurts, to be honest, um, under the same OC in back-to-back years since high school. And so when you look at someone that has gotten better, has the humble nature to work on where he needs to work on, we saw this at Alabama. He didn't transfer, stayed, got better when the little reps he was getting after you know games were easily decided. They needed him to go back in the game in a championship game, and he led them down the field and did great things. So all of that makeup yield, uh, yields me to believe that this guy is going to be 
exactly what you want him to be in a franchise quarterback. He was the reason why the, the Eagles moved on from Carson Wentz. He's the reason why they decide, hey, we got something special here. We're going to build around him and, and enhance his abilities to make plays. So I do feel like he's someone that the Eagles can count on. He's stable. He doesn't get flustered. He doesn't mind competition, uh, which is great. Some quarterbacks don't want you to bring in even whisper about bringing somebody else in. Jalen Hurts doesn't care. And, and when you have that type of mindset where you are secure in your own abilities, that's the guy that you want. And when you have that at that position, the most important position, you have something special. Oh, you don't need to explain to us about a quarterback who can't handle someone looking over his shoulder, Carson Wentz. Uh, here in Philadelphia, we know we know how that song plays. <laughs> and uh, we're with you that that won't bother Jalen Hurts. But here's an issue that I could I think could crop up for the Eagles. And if you watch a team last year, you would think coming into this season, well, that won't be an issue. But now it could be. You add A.J. Brown, you've got Devonta Smith, who absolutely was their best wide receiver and I think has got wide receiver one talents and skills. You got Dallas Goddard, who doesn't have to share time with Zach Ertz from the start of the season on. That's three pretty good targets. Three pretty good guys who can make plays down the field. We believe the Eagles are going to throw the ball more than they did last year when they were the leading rushing team in the National Football League. Is there any chance that we get some diva action from Eagle targets? That there is a, hey, I need the ball a little bit more. Coming up a little short on my targets here, Shane Steichen, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, uh, that the wide receiver, which is now a talented group, the receiver group, I should say, not just wide because I got to include Goddard in that. Is, is Are there going to be enough football to go around for the Eagle uh, receivers this year? Absolutely, because you look at the two guys that they're going to be throwing the ball to. Smith, he played with at Alabama. Brown is his best friend. So I feel like that, that right there kills the diva nature. They kind of have a mutual respect for one another. The question mark I have about Philly, even though they were the number one rushing team or one of the top five rushing teams in the NFL, the running back position, um, can Miles Sanders be out there for a full 17-game season? Can he hold on to the football? If he can be what you should be when you're paired up with a mobile quarterback, the Eagles should have the most dynamic offense uh, in football uh, because you have the ability that's going to be created with Jalen Hurts' ability. You're going to be able to expand the field now because you have two legit number ones and a tight end that can get down the scene. And now you have the ability to really run the football anywhere you want to uh, on the interior, but you need guys to really take the take the reins of that position. There are some points in the season where you thought Gainwell may have been a better runner pound for pound than Sanders. But Sanders has that ability that you just can't coach. He has a knack for slicing through a hole. But can he do it for 17 games? If he's out there, he should be easily a 12 to 1,300-yard rusher averaging five and a half yards a carry. Yeah, five and a half. I mean, that Eagles offensive line, it looked like they could put Jordan Howard, Boston Scott um, as well, could run behind that offensive line. So it will be interesting. I think the the key with Miles Sanders, as you said, Emery, is he's got to stay healthy. He's got to be on the field. He's got to be there consistently. I do want to expand things to the entire NFC East and, and the draft because it was an interesting – the Giants are where they are and sort of their rebuild, new GM, new head coach. Uh, they're probably going to move on uh, from Daniel Jones after this year. Uh, they seem committed to this rebuild. 
but they got some significant talent. That's what happens when you draft it. At, you have two picks in the top 10. So they're able to bring in Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. How much does it make them better just from a talent perspective? Then you had some curiosity. Washington had a lot of chances and 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 sort of trade it down. They go with Jahan Dotson and then the Cowboys with Tyler Smith. What do you think about the NFC drafts as a whole, the NFC East drafts as a whole? I think they got better as a whole. Collectively, the division is is a lot better from a talent perspective. I still feel like it is a two-team race, Dallas and Philly, uh, for the top spot, and both teams will get into the playoffs, in my opinion. The Giants and, and Washington are interesting because even last year, I said this preseason, the Giants are not bad. On paper, they are in a seven- to eight-win team. It all depends on if number eight can get them to nine or ten wins. And, and that's the biggest question once again. We know now Saquon Barkley is two years removed from the knee injury. So in his mind, he's not thinking about the knee injury anymore. They've beefed up the offensive line, which should be really good. Their defensive front seven should be excellent. They're going to be solid on the back end. They got playmakers. They have great special teams. Can number eight get them to eight? nine, 10 wins, because that's the difference. For Washington, I like the collective talent they have. We know their defensive line is tremendous. Uh, we, they, we, we've seen them improve up front offensively. They have good weapons out on a perimeter uh, at receiver McLaurin, Dotson. Um, they, you know, they still have the, uh, the kid from Carolina that they brought in last year, um, with a versatile kid. They have Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Curtis Samuel. So, it's about whether or not Carson Wentz can get out of his own way, get out of his own head, and forget about what happened last year um, in Indy and kind of move on from that and get this team into the playoffs. Because, again, on paper, just like the Giants, they are a 7, 8, 9-win team, but it depends on the quarterback play. Can they push them into that double digit? Because if we look at the NFC, you're probably going to need double digits to get into the playoffs and if they can do that, then it makes things very interesting in the NFC East. Yeah. Eagles, Giant, e- e- Eagles, and excuse me, the com- uh, Giants and <laughs> Commanders have no shot to win double digits. Neither one of them is happening. Eh, eh, improvement to the draft or whatever. I'm sorry. Neither one of those teams are getting there. I'll stick with it's a two team race Cowboys and Eagles. I jump it back into the Eagles and their defense and the former Bulldog. John asked you about their first round draft pick. On the defensive line, I want to ask you about their third-round draft pick at linebacker. I'm a big N'Kobe Dean fan. I couldn't believe that he fell to the third round in the draft. I know he had a peck issue, and there's some injury questions. There's questions about his size. I don't get it. The guy's just a stone-cold playmaker. Georgia was the best college defense I've seen in years. And to me, he was the main man on that defense and a whole bunch of his teammates were selected before him, which I didn't quite understand. Give us your N'Kobe Dean film breakdown and how you think he translates to the National Football League. You know, there's a, a, a unique way to look at N'Kobe Dean, and I think landing in Philly is perfect for him. And I'll tell you why. When you go back to watch him at Georgia, you constantly notice how athletic Quay Walker was and Channing Tindall was. The Kobe Dean is has okay athleticism, and you know it's not a knock; it's just a reality. But the reason why you saw him make a lot of plays, he has very good instincts to supersede that lack of 
top tier athleticism. But when you think about Georgia up front, we talked about uh, Jordan Davis, Devonta Wyatt, Devontae Wyatt. You also talk about the guy Carter that's going to be there next year. They had the number one overall pick up front as well in Trayvon Walker. So those guys kept him clean, which allowed him to go and have free reign to the football. Let's look at what Philly has up front. Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. They essentially have the same thing that should allow a guy like that to have free reign to the football. So landing here is the perfect situation for a guy like that. And so with all of that being said, he should start as inside linebacker. He should have impactful plays because he has fantastic instincts and he instantly makes his defense better at the second level, which we know was a huge problem for Philadelphia last season. There were times where you thought, are they even playing with linebackers? You're out there with nine defenders because there was no one at the second level making plays. So Nicobe Dean changes that for them. They also bring in, you know, uh, Hassan Reddick to help pressure from the second level. Philly was the perfect spot for Dean, which is why it made sense for them to grab him. And I think he's going to have a very solid career for the Eagles. Uh, he is Emory Hunt at foot uh, at, at ball game plan, as you can see right on the screen. Follow him on Twitter. You can see his YouTube page, youtube.com backslash football game plan. See him at CBS Sports Headquarters, uh, Sportsline. Emory, I'll leave it here with you. My last question. You've been uh, at a lot of practices over the years at all different kind of levels. You were just at the XFL showcase I saw. Um, here in Philadelphia, it was interesting, the, the off-season work. They had 13 under the CBA, 13 opportunities to have on-field work. They scaled it back to six. Uh, meanwhile, in the division, Mike McCarthy and Ron Rivera are pushing the envelope and getting fined 100 grand, going a little bit too far. What do you think of the, the shift in the NFL and, and how important is spring work to the point where the Eagles are saying, you know what, we're going to concentrate on the classroom and try to keep everybody as healthy as possible. Where are you sort of on that, that line of where things are going? You know, I'm kind of in the middle. I can see both sides of the issue uh, because back in the day when practices were a little bit more physical and, you know, you really pushed the envelope, I thought you had better play right out of the gate. Now you don't have better play right out of the gate. The first game of the season is essentially the fifth preseason game, and guys are still trying to figure it out deep into week three. And so I feel like that's a big reason why. We're, I think we're seeing more injuries now than we did when practices were physical, you know, maybe because guys are not getting used to the physical contact of football. You got to play football to, to be ready for football. Um, so I I see both sides. You want to keep guys healthy because now you have an additional game. So you want to play the long game and, and make sure guys are out there for the full 17 slate of games you have this, you know, now in this era. But also on the other side, it's like, man, do we need how much do we have to ramp up? to get guys physically ready to play the game. I know they're going to be mentally ready. This is their job. Physically, we know they're in shape, but football shape, I think, needs to, to really take precedent here, precedent here, and, and we'll see uh, if this changes moving forward. But I kind of am right in the middle to answer your question. All right. Uh, last one for me, and I apologize in advance for putting you on the spot. 
because we've had a lot of debate about the uh, newest Philadelphia Eagle, the guy that they signed most recently, and that would be safety Jaquiski Tart that they picked up from uh, the 49ers. Um, we've had some people here on our stream, my shows on WIP, that have ranged from this guy's a Pro Bowl safety to what the hell are the Eagles thinking about signing Jaquiski Tart and everything in between. The, 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 the depths and the lengths that people have gone to to describe him surprised the heck out of me. I think he's a solid signing. That's it. No better, no worse, but that's what, but some think it's phenomenal and some think it's idiotic. So I'm going to ask you to give me your scouting report on Jaquiski Tart, putting him into the Eagles defense, Jonathan Gannon defense at the end of the year, we're going to look at him as average, above average, below average, why the hell is this guy getting a check? Can't believe we got a Pro Bowl safety in June. Give us your uh, rating, ranking, scouting report on the newest Eagle Jaquiski Tart. Well, he upgrades the safety position, point blank. So it gives you a solid safety. Um, just like I talked about the second level for Philly, safety was another place where you thought, man, you need a safety. And so Tart is someone that can come in and give you that solid uh, play at that level, he'll be around the football. He'll make some plays. Granted, he missed the play um, in the NFC Championship game because we wouldn't get all this Matt Stafford top top five quarterback talk. Yeah. Hart just catches the interception because oh. Stafford didn't play well in that game. Uh, but, you know, you know how folks tend to view things from a end result level. Now Stafford is top ten. Um, well, we know that's, that's false. Uh, so, and I don't mean to, to for Stafford to catch a straight. But that's just the reality of the situation. So with Tart, upgrade safety play improves that part. So now you feel comfortable in doing certain things defensively because you at least have someone that's capable of making plays, which is all you needed uh, if you're Philadelphia. Great stuff. We appreciate you coming on, Emery. We're going to look forward to uh, having you on again in the future. Again, tell everybody if they want to catch some of your breakdowns, some of your opinions and the like, how best can they do that? Footballgameplan.com at FBallGamePlan on Twitter, YouTube.com slash FootballGamePlan. And also they can still get a copy of the largest draft guide in draft guide history, over 1,000 individual scouting reports at FootballGamePlan.com slash 2022 draft guide. It's a great resource to have in the preseason. As we know, these rosters are transient. Get to know your players in depthly and players around the league help yourself become a better more informed fan at footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide Emery, great stuff we appreciate you coming on with us today we're going to tap into you plenty over the course of the year have a uh, good summer before you know it camps will be opening appreciate it thanks guys thanks Emery. Emery hunt uh, from uh, football game plan and cbs aq and his draft guide he's he's pretty proud of it and he gave us some pretty good reads Except he's blatantly underrating Matt Corral, but yeah. that's okay. I won't hold that against him. He's a big Greg Ward fan. I couldn't believe that. Greg Ward, forget Quez Watkins. Who needs Quez Watkins? Yeah, we, we don't. Greg we, Ward. Don't we, we, I thought we were finally over the Greg Ward hump. No, uh, not always... happening. According to Emory, it's it's yeah. going to be a competition in yeah. camp. Who's going to be the? I don't. I, I don't three. think it is going to be a competition. But I hey, I hope I'm wrong. Um, Little shot at Matthew Stafford too. I always yeah on the back I, I, end getting uh, yeah. Stafford. Done. Are I you always, telling me that if Jaquiski Tart had made that interception, 
he'd be the one who was blinking at Lily in the commercials this off season. Yeah, well, got yeah. Matthew Stafford uh, selling yeah. uh, phones uh, because he uh, had an interception dropped it's in the always, championship game. It's always interesting when you hear, um, and I don't think Matthew Stafford's top five, but you know I've always been a Matthew Stafford guy. Um, but I think it works both ways. Like I've been saying for years, Matthew Stafford's actually a good quarterback, but he played with such a direct team, and and that sort of formulated it in a negative direction. And now he got a break in the championship game and it formula and he's yeah, as you said, he's winking at Lily, who by the way, you know, I'd like to wink at Lily too. <laughs> um you know, that that happens. That's how and he it it it's not fair. It's not fair and it's everybody knows the cliche quarterback gets more credit than he should when the team wins, gets more blame than he should when the team loses. That's true. And that's the way life plays out in the National Football League, and it played out damn well for Matthew Stafford this past year. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, a.k.a. your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Uh, Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philly is going to join us next. Before we get Dave on, uh, those guys on NBC Sports are running down their Eagles top 25. I got to find out if there were any reveals on the Sports Illustrated top 25 over the weekend because we touched on this at the end of last week when we had Ed Kratz on. Me and McMullen had the exact same guy at number 25. We'll take a little uh, trip down SI's list. We'll certainly get into it with Zingaro. I got another full hour to go here on Birds 365 on a Monday get-together. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! <laughs> She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. A football Monday. Uh, this would be day 76. So we have to wait until the NFL season gets underway. Game one, Eagles Lions. Uh, we are exactly 30 days away. Yesterday was one month and 31 days in July, which means we were at 31. Um, 30 days until the Eagle camp opens up. And that's something we'll talk about with our guest, Dave Zingaro, because he'll be out there on the grass with John McMullen on July 26th when they get their camp uh, actually opened up. And show 305. Uh, we've been doing this for a while, uh, McMullen and I. So we're uh, looking forward to continuing to add to that. Add to the show number and subtract from the number of days to when football comes around. Um, J-Mac, uh, part of leading up to the season is getting – Opinions out there, rankings, ratings, uh, looking into what a team has done as far as roster-wise during the offseason. And uh, your outlet, Sports Illustrated, like uh, NBC Sports Philly, uh, where Dave Zingaro works, uh, will join us coming up in about 20 minutes from now. Uh, everyone's coming up with their Eagles top 25 list. And you and uh, Eddie Kratz talked about it last week when we had Ed Football Kratz on uh, to close out the week on Friday with us here on Birds 365. And you guys had started to put out your combined list. You and Kratz sat down together and went back and forth over the Eagles top 25 and uh, did some uh, number crunching to come up with your top 25. Where did we leave it last week? Had we just revealed who you guys had at number 25? Uh, yeah, we, we, we revealed, uh, 25 on, um, in which was Jack Driscoll. Um, and then I foreshadowed who 24 was going to be. And I said, you're not going to be very happy. So you figured that one out. Uh, so Derek Barnett at 24, 23, uh, Kaiser White, um, uh, maybe I, I would argue, a little bit low for my taste. And then 22, Quez Watkins, who would be a little bit high, as he said. I, I, I had him at 25. Uh, evidently, we should have Greg Ward on there. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe that's coming up today at number 21. So that'll be out at some point. Today. Now, you know I was president of the Greg Ward fan club last year on Birds 365 in the friggin' Delaware Valley, as a matter of fact. Uh, it was me, then Greg Ward's family, and then uh, anybody else who uh, lined up behind us. Uh, yeah, I just don't know their heels are even going to give him a chance to. Uh, he's going to be on the roster. He's going to give a chance to make the team. I surely don't think he's going to be a big-time producer for them. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I just remove this tape and wipe it from existence where <laughs> I didn't completely back Greg Ward. But uh, I saw what happened last year, and uh, I, I think of 
I have to say I would be surprised if that yeah. were the case. He's he's up against it more because Zach Pascal's here, and Zach Pascal's a big, you know, the the head coach is a big fan of Zach Pascal. He's going to play in the slot. He's you know a blocker. They're a good running team. So I would think it's even less likely that Greg Ward uh, gets an opportunity this year. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Than last year. Right. Uh, if he didn't get it done last year, they've upgraded the wide receiver. They brought in a wide receiver one, yeah. which knocks him down the list. They brought in a uh, coach's pet wide receiver who's going to get a chance to play just because he does everything that the coach like. I, I don't see Greg Ward making the team, but uh, we just had Emery Hunton who said he should be the guy who's there. Uh, slot oh, it's wide a different, receiver. you know, uh, you know. A different coach, probably a different mentality. There is, you know, fitting certain schemes. If Doug was still here, I think Greg Ward would have a, a bigger opportunity. I, I do think there is something, especially when you get to the back end of the roster, there's something, something to coach's preference. And I think that hurts uh, Greg Ward and the ship from Doug Peterson to, to Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I can't believe that uh, he didn't land in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson. Instead, they gave all that money to Christian Kirk. I'd rather have uh, Ward for uh, veteran minimum than what the hell they paid Kirk to become there. Now, Christian Kirk, I'm with you. I mean, the contract is silly, but that's still a good player. I mean, he's getting killed because of his contract, and that's part of it. I mean, you know, if somebody offers it, you're not going to walk away from it, but he is a good receiver, Christian Kirk. He's just not a star receiver that should be making right. that money. He's a solid wide receiver. I like them coming out of college, but uh, and I I read your piece on uh, JacobSports.com over the weekend, and I was in in lockstep with you. Uh, for those who didn't catch it, you got to go to JacobSports.com read uh, John's piece. And if you missed it last week, Andrew Brandt was here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five, and we love having Andrew on. He's always great whenever he joins us. Um, he did mention to us while we had him on that maybe, maybe some teams in the National Football League were not happy with the Eagles with the contract that they lavished on A.J. Brown. A lot of wide receivers got uh, paid during this offseason, and A.J. Brown was one of them, and Andrew pointed out, yeah, but Tyreek Hill, this was the third contract that he was signing. Uh, Devontae Adams, this was the third contract that he was signing. With A.J. Brown, it was the second contract that he was signing. Still on his rookie deal, and the Eagles extended him in their second contract and that the number was pretty damn big and that there are some teams around the National yeah. Football League that are going, wait a minute, you're set. there's the bar for wide receivers overall, and then there's the bar for wide receivers with steps along the way. And whatever number of contract you're on, you would expect it can continue to go up. I was with you, J-Mac. No, it wasn't A.J. Brown that cut people's attention. It was the free agent contract that Kirk got down in Jacksonville that I think had more of an effect on setting the bar 
at the pay level for the wide receiver position. I, I understood that the bar was set with A.J. Brown. Oh, by the way, the other signings had already taken place. The extensions had already been done with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Granted, they were their third contracts, but the number had already been put out there. No, Jacksonville was ahead of the game. They did the Kirk contract before any of those other contracts took place. So yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. He was the contract that was signed this offseason that reset the wide receiver market more so than A.J. Brown. Yeah, more so than it, more so than, you know, uh, it, Kansas City says it. I mean, they said uh, it, it was more Devontae Adams, but um, Kirk was first and then Devontae Adams. And Kansas City thought they had an extension all but signed, sealed, and delivered with Tyreek Hill. And then the Adams trade happened, and Hill's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. And then all of a sudden, a week later, less than a week later, he's in Miami with that big contract. Um, But this is what the Eagles do. The only difference was that A.J. Brown was in another city. I mean, it was here, and that's what I kind of said. Think about if they drafted him in 2019 right and he turned into the same player well what they do with the 2018 picks they like jordan mylotta josh sweat abonte maddox dallas got they signed him early right they signed they extended him early it would have been aj brown's turn so the fact that they've made mistakes um in in evaluation of wideouts the penalty for the eagles was they had to give up a first round pick right and they had to do it uh, early. So they had to do it in April instead of September 10th. Because September 10th is the day the Eagles got the first extension done. Well, it's the day before the regular season. So I think it was yeah, somewhere, somewhere there. Right. First week, yeah, yeah, first 10 days. September. That's when they signed Jordan Mailata. Nobody had a problem with that. So if they had drafted A.J. Brown giving him this contract the day before the September 10th this year, the day before the regular season in Detroit, nobody would have a problem with it. So, you know, if they have an issue, maybe look elsewhere is what I kind of said. And I, I followed your line of logic and I agree with it uh, across the board. And again, a lot of times we talk a lot of Howie Roseman here on Birds 365, as you would well expect. And both John and I are more, fans than detractors again that's to me a feather in howie roseman's cap in that he corrected a wrong and some people refuse to give someone credit. well if he didn't make the mistake in the first place he wouldn't have to correct it yeah but there are people who make mistakes and live with those mistakes and continue to pound those mistakes to howie roseman's credit at least he tries to correct those mistakes or solve those mistakes and that's what he did with A.J. Brown during this offseason. Would they have needed A.J. Brown if they had taken Justin Jefferson instead of Jalen no. Rager? No. Probably not. We get that. Oh, okay. So you want to just sit around and, and continue to whine and moan about, oh, my God, that was a god-awful draft pick. No, you got to go out and correct it. And that's exactly what Howie Roseman did at the wide receiver's position this offseason. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's, you know, you get too caught up in hand-wringing. You got to fix the issue. And I have a bigger problem with GMs, and this is, you know, how he's been guilty of this as well. All GMs are guilty of hanging on to first-round picks. We're talking about it with Jalen Rager. still here. Um, I think he's still going to be here. 
at the start of the regular season. Why? Because he's a first-round pick. Let's face it. If he's a sixth, seventh-round pick, he's out. He's out long ago. But mm. that's the level. Works both ways. You, you know, I tell you this all the time with Derek Barnett, Jody. If he was a third-round pick, nobody would have a freaking problem with him. Nobody. Zero. Zero people would have. They'd have a problem with some of the stupid penalties. But other than that, nobody would have a problem with him as a player. They have a problem with him because he was the 14th overall pick in the draft, and there's expectations that come along with that. Same thing with Jalen Rager. Same thing with any failed first-round pick in any other city. There are expectations that come along with it, and that's part of it. And it works both ways when it comes to the front office. The, the, when you know you've made a mistake, your your best your best path forward is admitting you made a mistake. Right. I mean that's that's just the way it is. All right. Uh, let me ask you about another potential pet peeve <laughs> I have with uh, general managers in the National Football League. And yes, Howie Roseman under more scrutiny than anybody else here on a show like Birds Three Sixty Five in a town like Philadelphia. Undrafted free agents. Yes, there seems to be at least one guy who makes the Eagles every single year. And it almost seems to be a badge of honor that if an undrafted free agent yes. makes your roster, has some kind of contribution to the team, more often than not, uh, in special teams. But you take it anywhere, you can get it, offense, defense, or special teams. Um, the Eagles have... I, I don't want to say intentionally made sure that they kept an undrafted free agent, but sometimes it seems to play that way. Um, this year's crew, the guys who the Eagles did not draft, um, we get down to the end of the preseason and you've got that cutting edge of the roster. Are you going to make the roster? Are they going to try and sneak you through to the practice squad? There's that balancing act. How many undrafted free agents do you think are going to make the 53? Because you know how volatile it is. I, I really do enjoy doing shows that week, uh, be it on the radio or be it here with you on Birds 365, on who gets released, who gets kept, who gets brought back, who gets scooped up. It really is fun. It, it usually doesn't decide who's going to win the Super Bowl, but it is something that you can sink your teeth into in uh, September after they play that last regular uh, preseason game. How many guys do you think the Eagles are going to keep as far as undrafted free agents on the original 53-man roster? I, I I always put the over-under at two. Uh, in theory, um, you know, this team is pretty talented now. They shouldn't have the need for a lot of undrafted free agents. Um, then you start looking at past, like, okay, where is there an opportunity for an undrafted guy. Last year was Jack Stoll, right? The Eagles needed a sort of a, a and at the time they still had Zach Ertz, but they still needed uh, more of a blocking um, sort of aspect, and he was able to make the team. Um, this year it's Carson Strong. I mean, it's he's got an easier path than, than even Jack Stoll last year. Um, I yeah, mean, they, the Eagles, they, they can't, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, they can't expose him, can they? Can they? You know, it kind of depends. I, I, How much I, did they give him? 300000 as a uh, guy? Yeah, a little bit, little bit over three hundred, dollars um, which is an indication as well. 
Uh, but you know, it's easy to cut three. It's easy to cut any rookie. Um, um, it's easy to cut a rookie late round day three draft pick. So I do think sometimes we overblow those those guarantees. Other than it's an indication that there was probably um, sort of a battle. Uh, other teams were interested, so you got to go a little bit higher. Um, after the draft, you have these battles for undrafted free agents. And it happened, the Eagles also signed the kid from Brown. Uh, E.J. Perry, is it? Uh, I forget his name. Uh, you remember right after the draft, we're, we're looking at, they signed both quarterbacks, probably the two best undrafted quarterbacks. And what it turned out to be is the Eagles had offers out to both. And Strong was kind of hedging. And Perry accepted his, and then Strong came back and said, "No, I'll come in." And then the Eagles had to go back and say, "Look, you know, Carson, Carson's our guy, not that Carson, but this Carson." Right. And he wisely went to Jacksonville, and he'll have an opportunity uh, there. Um, you know, Reed Sinet's the third string quarterback. There's every opportunity. I think the only thing, the only question mark on Carson Strong with the fit, and you don't often say this about undrafted players. The only question is, is he healthy? Is the knee okay? If if it is, he's going to make this team. He's going to make this team as the developmental quarterback, and then you have your undrafted free agent, Howie can say, look, I got an undrafted guy. Um then you start to say, okay, what's the next guy? And I don't see, we were talking about the corners. They signed these corners who Josh Job had a draftable grade. A lot of people had Goodrich from Clemson, um, Josh Blackwell from Duke. And we said, well, well, now the Eagles have corners. They brought in Bradbury. Um, they have the the Tay Gowans, the McPhersons, mm-hmm. the, the young corners they talked about before they got Bradbury now it becomes much more difficult for them the one guy I would bet on people want if you can get this bet somewhere <laughs> the prop bet of Eagles undrafted free agent <laughs> is Noah Ellis who was the the stepson I believe uh, of Luther Ellis the old uh, Detroit defensive end uh, who was a Pro Bowl player back in the day. His brother's here, Christian Ellis, is already here as a linebacker. The reason why is because he's, I'm trying to, 6'4", 346, the Eagles list him as. They don't have a backup for Jordan Davis. I've talked a lot about, they brought in this particular player, Jordan Davis, for a reason. They haven't had this player. They want this type of player. And if you want that type of player, you also need a backup for that type of player. And he's the only kid, and he also had a draftable grade. That's part of it as well. And they gave him a lot of money for an undrafted free agent. So if I had to bet on somebody other than Carson Strong, it would be Noah Ellis. Here's where uh, you and I will part company a little bit. Um and we know how good the relationship is between the general manager and the owner. They are tight. Uh, if the Eagles have a roster situation and they make a judgment call and say, listen, we can get Carson uh, strong through to the practice squad and we'll be okay there. Uh, don't think anybody's going to scoop them up. And they're wrong. 
and somebody else does sign him and he ends up on somebody else's roster because on the practice squad, if you assign someone there, well, the team can just come in and pick you off. The only requirement is they have to put you on their 53-man roster. If some other team does that, I think there will be a conversation between the owner and general manager that goes something along the lines of, wait, how much did we give this guy to sign? $300,000? Yeah. And that I mean, counts against the our salary cap, even though he does not play a down for us in a Philadelphia Eagle. He doesn't even stand on the sideline in a Philadelphia Eagle uniform during a game. Really? How are you giving three hundred thousand? I I think I, Jeff I don't would think, be within his rights to ask that question of his general manager. I think that's one of the reasons um, uh, Jeffrey Lurie is a very good owner. He's not going to complain about stuff like that. And Ellis, I just like he got two hundred forty grand, which is a lot for uh, an undrafted uh, an undrafted free agent. Eagles went through this with Noah Tagai. And everybody lost their freaking mind. They wanted to get him through the practice squad. And everybody, oh, my God, Indianapolis signed up. And they got him back. And he's back into the roster. He's probably not even going to make the team. And the thing that the thing that made me nuts about that, John, was they had Ertz and got her to here. It wasn't like, no, what, the guy was going to break through and play anytime. Yeah, I know. He I was know. buried on the roster, yeah. at least with Carson Strong. Yeah, I know that he's not even going to be the backup this year because the Eagles had their backup quarterback, but his future is 12 more months in this town, and then he's going to be gone too. And you've got a starting quarterback that you're not locked in contract-wise. Carson Strong's got a real chance to someday be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. No, the guy had no chance to become the starting tight end of the Eagles, so I would not compare those two situations. Yeah. Three hundred and twenty grand is what uh, Carson Strong got. Two forty uh, for Noah uh, Kennedy Brooks got two forty as well. Did he? Um, yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, and a lot of it, like Carson, because Carson Strong uh, got twenty grand to sign, and three hundred of his base salary is guaranteed. Um, it's 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 a drop of the bucket. Now, where it is a difference, Jody, if if this were we had this conversation a little bit with Andrew last week as well. If this were Cincinnati, if this were the Chargers, yeah, maybe they would have a conversation. I mean, that's one of the positives of having somebody like Jeffrey Laurie as the owner, who really does just want to win, and he's looking to unearth the best possible, you know, diamond in the rough. And he's got to, that's budgeted in to the Eagles. All right. Didn't work. All right. We'll try it again next year. And uh, I hear what you're saying. Jeff Laurie's not going to bat an eye about the money coming out of his pocket, uh, but I do think he likes to play general manager a little bit. How he's this guy and he trusts how he, but, that's 300,000 dead cap money that we're dealing with this season. I think it has more to do with uh, the overall use of the salary cap than it does. Hey, that's $300,000 out of my pocket. Jeffrey knows it, there's an expense to being an NFL owner. And I don't think he bats an eye at what that expense is, but I think he likes to play along with who's using their salary cap uh, space the best. All right. Uh, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming up next, we got our buddy Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly. We'll talk uh, 
the wait till camp opens up. They've got a good uh, top 25 list going as well. Eagles conversation with Dave Zingaro of NBC Sports Philly next here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Guys, I'm Birds 365. We bring in one of our uh, favorite Eagle correspondents. He covers the team for NBC Sports Philadelphia. I saw a smiling face on my TV this morning, hanging out with our buddy Barrett Brooks as the Eagles' uh, top 25 rundown from NBC Sports Philadelphia is being gone through, not only on the website, but on their uh, TV outlet as well. So, Gary, you look good on TV this morning. Good job out of you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And look better than me and Jody on TV. So Not you saying. got that going yeah, for yeah. you. You got that going for you, Dave. So the most impactful Eagles, uh, Sports Illustrated, I do think it's different. We're doing the best pure football Eagles. So I want to talk about 
most impactful, Dave, because I think it's different. I think they're different things. They are. And you'll see that when we get to number one on my list. (laughs) Yes. I I think I can guess who number one is going to be. Um, One of the other ones coming who I also agree with is Marcus Epps at safety. So before we get to Jalen Hurts, um, I, I do think, and I don't think we've had you on since the Eagles signed Tart, uh, Chikwaski Tart. So, um, one, I want to get your thoughts on on what that means, that signing, and what it means specifically for Marcus Epps. Yeah, I mean, first off, like the overall signing, it, it gives them depth there. And, they, they, you know, you can talk about they need another starter, but they need depth bad at that spot. You're talking about, you know, their backup safeties were Kayvon Wallace and Andre Sachere and Jared Maiden. I mean, they, they needed help there. So bringing in Tart, at least from a depth perspective, easy. I mean, that'll help them out quite a bit. I don't think he's going to come in and just be a starter. Um, I, I think he can push for a starting job. I think they can maybe he can push for some playing time in the rotation. But I look at, you know, when they had just Harris and Epps, if you had to ask me which one of those guys is going to lose playing time if Tart plays, it's probably Harris. Mm. Um, I, I think Epps is just a better player and still has some upside, whereas I think Harris is kind of maxed out at this point in his career. Epps is still young. He, he They think there's something there, and I, I don't know if they're wrong about that. I, I think there might be something there too. And um, it depends on what goes on in the front seven. We always debate whether – the back seven is more affected by the front four or the front seven is affected more by the back four. Which way do you think that's going to play in Gannon's defense this year? Do you think he'll use his safeties differently because he's going to use his front seven differently or he'll use his front seven differently because he's going to play the back seven a little bit different. How do you think the safety position will affect Gannon's defense this year with the uh, threesome that they have now who look like, are going to be in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, probably not much. I mean, if you're, you're looking for one to have a bigger effect, it's probably the front seven. Uh, they need to generate more pressure. And it's funny, you know, they only had 29 sacks last year. And whenever a defense doesn't have a lot of sacks, they go, well, sacks aren't that important. Mm-hmm. But if they had 50 sacks last year, I mean, I'm sure they'd be talking about it quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I, it, you know, and it's not just the sacks. I mean, they didn't get good enough consistent pressure from the front last year. So having Hassan Reddick ought to help that having Jordan Davis, even if he's not a great pass rusher, just having a body like that to eat up double teams will help. Um, Cause he, he's going to get double teamed. You can't leave a guy who's that big, yeah. <laughs> you know, one-on-one. So uh, he'll eat some double teams. So they should be a better pass rushing team up front. Even, I mean, they, they even have some ability with these linebackers and the Dean in particular, we saw him at Georgia, a really skilled blitzer. So they have the opportunity to dial up those every once in a while. So I think there'll be a better pass rushing team and that'll help out the back end more so than the back helping the front. If that makes sense. I think the pass rush will be more improved. Uh, Just to button up the safety talk, Dave, I want to talk about the linebackers in relation to the safeties from this perspective. We're kind of used to it. You know, when we had Jim, Jim Schwartz here, Malcolm Jenkins was here. He moved all over the place, played seven different positions at one point. They had this uh, Corey Graham third safety rotation at times. Um, And then that kind of morphed into JG last year, and they had Marcus Epps mixing in with Rodney and Anthony Harris. 
the linebackers change that from the perspective that why do you need big nickels, so to speak, if you have Kaiser White, if you have Davion Taylor, if he's ever healthy enough to stay out there, his athleticism to Kobe Dean as well. Do you think having actual talent at linebacker shifts the need for a third safety? A little bit. And it's not just talent at linebacker. It's it's coverage talent. And yeah. that's what Kaiser is really good at. And Kobe should be good at it. So I get that. Uh, I still think they'll rotate those three safeties, even if it's uh, even if they're not in big nickel and they'll have three of them out there at the same time. I still think they'll have packages for those guys to get them on the field. I don't think that was necessarily JG's plan last year. Yeah. To have three safeties. I think the play of Marcus Epps kind of forced him into that. Uh, he played well enough where he looked at it and said, How do I keep this guy off the field in favor? He outplayed both of the other safeties last year. So uh, I think Epps kind of forced it on him a little bit last year. And, and look, if, they, if they're out here and they say, All right, these two guys, whoever it is, are clearly much better, then I think they wouldn't be opposed to going with two. But I don't think that's the case. And if, if I'm looking at it and, and trying to guess which of the three might be the weak link, I think it's pretty close. It, it, but if it's Harris, he's not going to just bench Anthony Harris because there's a, a familiarity there. And I think that matters too. So I, I think they're going to use all three and, and try to rotate them a little bit. And, and I think that playing time is up for grabs in training camp. I think uh, the roles will be defined once we see them on the field. All right, Dave, uh, you get one of my favorite type of questions, a hypothetical. Uh, we asked this of a couple of guests last week. I want to get your take on it. Um, assuming the Eagles get off to a bit of a slow start and they're losing games 24-23, they're not losing games 41-38 where there's offense galore. They're not losing games 17-16 where teams are playing good defense. It's it, On a given week, it could be either Eagles coming up short on offense or coming up short on defense. Which of their two coordinators with a slow start would be feeling the heat more? Jonathan Gannon, who the general manager says we're just renting because someone's going to make a mad coach. Or Shane Steichen, who we found out this offseason, he was calling plays from midseason on, and we'll be calling the plays again this season. If the Eagles get off to a slow start, you can't definitively point to one or two, two sides of the ball. They're both somewhat held accountable for it. Which of the two coordinators gets more pressure on them? Gannon, uh, just because he's in charge of that unit, where, you know, the, I, I guess that what would happen if Steichen really struggles is he'd. Nick Sirianni would start calling plays again. He'd lose that responsibility. I, you know, that, that's what would happen there. Uh, I don't know how long that leash is, but that would be the logical step. With Gannon, it, I mean, it's all on him. True. Uh, and we saw last year there were times where Sirianni was visibly frustrated with, with Gannon and, and some of his, his calls and some of his concepts. So I think that would come first if there's a moment where the defense isn't playing well enough. Uh, and it, I think style of play would factor into it. You know, I it, it became a, a big talking point last year, and I understand a lot of what Gannon did against some of those really great quarterbacks. They don't <laughs> face that that murderer's row this year, but I think if, if the defense is struggling and it's a product where you go, man, they're being so so passive, I think that would frustrate – obviously it would frustrate the fan base. We saw that last year, but yeah. I think it would frustrate Nick Sirianni too. I, I do. I, I think that that was part of the contention a little bit last year. 
um, when there was some there were some tense moments yeah. and they were losing yeah. games. Nick and Nick pretty much admitted, you know, yeah. there was a little bit too much passivity or lack of aggression, yeah. whatever. You so I, I think it. that could happen again. You know, if uh, if you're asking what's more likely, I, Gannon would feel the pressure because it's it's his unit where Steichen is is a big part of the offense, but it's still Nick's offense. He's just calling the plays in Nick's offense. By the way, when when Nick kind of stepped back from play calling last year, Dave, do you think any of it had to do with the defense and the fact that he wasn't happy with the way? Because Maybe everyone thinks about it offensively, but he yeah. wasn't well, I mean, happy about yeah, and the And he admitted of part of the reason was because he wants to be involved in all phases. And I, I yeah, it's – it it is like people don't realize there's a lot going on for a head coach oh, yeah. during a game, and it, it's, I mean it's it's a lot, and it's more now than ever because now you have the analytics guys in your ear. You, you have to worry about challenges, and and time management's obviously a huge deal. So I I think that like I don't think that was the reason, but I think it probably factored in a little bit. All right, Dave, I need your uh, take on this because I've been kind of outspoken and. And guys are giving me a hard time for it that I think the Eagles, and it's not just Eagles, I think the entire National Football League uh, negotiated away in collective bargaining their right to play football and practice football and get ready for a season that it's so scaled back in protection of injury uh, that it's uh, almost unrecognizable. Yet they had tight end you this week. And the Eagles tight end was down there and they're all hanging out together and going through drills and what happens if somebody blows out a knee? Did Dallas Goddard have to sign away his firstborn male that uh, he was allowed to participate in this if uh, he does get hurt? Uh, how is that going to play with the overly protective Philadelphia Eagles having one of their superstar players out on a football field taking some chances? I mean, it's not like they were out down there playing tackle football. I mean, it's they're running drills and – these guys are working out anyway. I don't think they're any more likely to get hurt at tight end you than they are running routes in their backyard. You know, okay. I, I don't think yeah. it's like any more. I, I just, it's not any more strenuous than any workout. Honestly, it's there's the risk, of course, but I think there's a risk in you know if he wants to have his brother throwing passes in the backyard. I there's there's always risk, and it's there's like, a risk getting up in the morning. I, yeah. I, you know. I, I, and it's not like look. I I wasn't a tight end use, so I, I I can't say definitively. But I'm imagining it's not like a practice practice. You know, I, I can't imagine like you know Kittle's playing defense and he's trying to tackle Dallas Goddard. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not what they're doing. Uh, I I actually really like the. I think it's a cool concept, uh, like the tight end you and O line masterminds and yeah. Lane does it. Bond Miller it's, does it with his pass rushers. Yeah, the pass rushers. I, I think yeah. it's pretty cool, and it's something that's relatively new in the league. And it's, I find it cool. I get why some old school guys are like, "Man, why are you giving away the secrets to all these guys?" But uh, I think it's cool, and I, I think it'd be foolish for good players not to go. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, but here's here's my here's, question, Dave. Yeah, what they got a pretty pretty strong cutoff point at tight end you like they only invite the good tight ends i feel bad like wait you know if i'm jack stole i can't get in there i'm not saying jack yeah and you're the guy who could really use it right yeah exactly yeah that's that's true uh i guess it's like they they just want the best of the best to yeah 
It's a market. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's like I don't. Maybe it's a uh, like a a size thing. Like maybe they don't have enough room. I don't know. You know their situation. Like, but you're right. Li- it's not. Yeah, Layton what they had, and, like seventy-five. And, and, yeah, I think it's fifty. I, it might have mm. been bigger. No this tight year, end, but, you. Yeah, I think eighty-five it was this weekend. Oh, eighty-five. So it's yeah. got bigger this year. All but right. Jack Stoll didn't make a change. Maybe Jack Stoll, come Maybe on, Jack, get in it. there. You got to fight for your position. The tight end, you. Yeah, I think Lane and 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 Duke, uh, they they help everybody. Yeah, if you want to come down, they'll help you. But you're right from the old school thinking. Obviously, Jody and I are older school. I guess it started with Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson kissing at midcourt in the NBA. <laughs> Uh, there is, whereas, uh, you know, Julia Serving and Larry Bird used to strangle each other. Um, you do have a different world when it comes to professional sports and guys helping each other out. I I always say about in tight end you, pass rushing camp, uh, offensive line masterminds, I try to get the coaches, you probably noticed, Dave, to admit, like, because I remember talking to Jeff Stoutland about Jordan Mailata, and you might have been there. Uh, I think it was Damo who asked the actual question. Was at the time the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, was making noise about being a developmental league. And I think Damo asked Stout, like, what would you think of another coach having Jordan Mailata? And he's like, I don't want anybody touching him. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, essentially, I don't want – and. What do you think coaches think of, hey, I do all this work. I do all this work with this guy, technique, fundamentals. And then they go somewhere else with somebody else. And maybe they're teaching something different. Or am I just being too? No, no, there's something there. And like the Mylotta one is such a good example in a way, because I think part of the reason Stoutland was so successful with Mylotta for a lot of factors. And Mylotta obviously plays a big role in it, but it's because he had kind of a clean slate. Like yeah, he didn't have completely. to break him of any bad habits because he didn't have any habits, you know? So he was able to kind of mold him the exact way he wanted to mold a football player. Um, I, I think there's a difference though, between like really coaching technique and places like, you know, O-line masterminds or tight end you where they're teaching little tricks that don't really like take over the, the technique teaching you know it's like uh, the way i look at it is like um o-line masterminds right they can talk about all right what do you do on on this specific type of rush say a guy tries to hit you with you know this oh this is how i handle it and i I think that's different than like all right this is your drop and this is the leverage i want you to have on your so i think there's a an important distinction there between little tricks in the way you play the game versus overall technique. And I think the overall technique is where coaches would get scared um, because then you have to worry about them undoing things, potentially forming bad habits. And that, that's, that's tricky because bad habits for one coach are not bad habits for another yeah. necessarily. So, yeah. um, and, and it's quarterbacks are always given a ton of leeway, which I always find kind of strange. You have, you know, the Tom houses of the world coaching quarterbacks and, he's really accomplished. Right. And there's yeah. a, a, a history of, of success there, but, and, and the quarterback one is always the one to me where I go, man, I don't know if, if that's always the best idea, but it's worked for a lot of players. So I, I understand too, why coaches are like, all right, well, let's see 
But I bet you there's some nervous moments. You know, Brian Johnson waiting for Jalen Hurts to come back. Like, what's this guy going to look like? What's he going to be doing? Yeah. And technically, they're not allowed to go over football in the offseason. So they have to go into it blind if they're following the rules, which, you know. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, all right. So uh, not technically exactly. 30 days from now, Eagle Camp will open up. So I'm going to take you back 330 days ago when Nick Sirianni opened up his first training camp. You guys had met him, his first press conference, had no idea how things were going to be done. And he laid out his camp and the Eagles had the season they had. They made the playoffs, got picked off. So be it. What do you think is different here in year two from a head coaching standpoint, putting together the practice, what he wants to accomplish, how he handles himself and his business. Are we going to see a different Nick Sirianni year two, a slightly more defined Nick Sirianni from year one to year two camp one to camp two. What do you think will be different or what do you think will be exactly the same about Sirianni? I think if anything, uh, his practices and, and the way he went about things last year, I think he probably feels vindicated by some of the success they had. Uh, and I, I think if you, you mentioned a more defined Sirianni, I think that's probably fair. I, I you know, I, I was kind of skeptical last year when I was watching them practice for an hour and 15 minutes. And because I was always like, you know, I, I don't think you need to have crazy two a days like, before the 2011 CBA, I, I don't think that's necessary, but he really took it to an extreme last year. And I was skeptical about whether or not they'd have enough work in and, you know, how sloppy they would be. And look, I didn't think they got off to a good start, obviously, but I don't know if it was because of the practices and, and they stayed healthy last year. So I think the health of the team probably vindicated them a little bit. And he's like, all right, well, we did what we wanted to do. We, we were able to get through the season mostly in one piece. Um, and I think that's not going to change. I, I think, uh, the one, you know, they're having the two joint practice setups again. I don't think they'll ever stop that as long as he's the head coach. They value that so much in comparison to the preseason games, uh, which kind of stinks for fans because, you know, yeah. there wasn't much reason to watch the preseason before, and there certainly isn't now. Uh, but those joint practices aren't going away. They're going to do them every year. No, I agree and, with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, that makes some sense to me because – I think it was Doug really more than Nick who kind of explained that, look, if you want to work on, on red zone stuff, you have to hope it comes up in a game. Yeah. You can script it and practice. Yeah. So it always made some sense to me um, from that standpoint. But I did, I did want to hone down on, on you saying Nick is vindicated for this reason or feels vindicated because I, I'm, I'm still having a hard time buying Dave that Nick Sirianni was behind these decisions for the smaller practices and the six OTAs. And uh, I mean, the guy loves football. I find it very hard to believe Nick Sirianni is the one coming. You know what? I don't want to be out there. I'm cool with it. I think it's an organizational decision. He doesn't have a lot of cachet yet as a young coach. He's getting more, but as a rookie head coach, he had basically none. I, 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 I think it's an organizational thing more than a Nick Sirianni thing. Maybe. I mean, I, I look back at, and maybe if, if we're going down this, this road, you can say the injuries in the Doug era maybe prefaced it because they could have done it to Doug. It's not like Doug yeah. had a, he didn't come in here, you know, he came in a lot like Nick. No one wanted them. The Eagles wanted them. So yeah. 
uh, they could have done it then. I guess if the theory then goes, all right, well, even, you know, 17, 18, 19, they had all these injuries and Doug had these, but also the Doug practices, as long as they were, weren't super efficient either. You know, they were on the field for longer, but yeah. And maybe, and maybe it was just such a stark contrast to the chip era, which was like drill, 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 run around, run around. Then you had Doug and I was like, man, there's, a lot of standing around going on during Teaching. these practices. Yeah. So it's um, the Nick practices are shorter, but they're more efficient than a, a Doug Peterson practice. You know, yeah. I, I think there's less downtime. And the other thing I like about these practices, and you'll probably, you've noticed this, I'm sure it's a lot of ones versus ones, twos versus twos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it, there's more, you know, the one like Nick Hallmark is always competitiveness there's more competitiveness in these lighter practices because you have ones versus ones every day, which is, I, I can't remember a team that I've covered that had this much top guys against their other top guys. All right. Speaking of competitiveness, a guy who's got to compete for playing time this year is going to be Jalen Rager. Uh, we know the status first round draft pick underachieving numbers of the numbers and the like. They go out and get two new wide receivers this offseason in A.J. Brown and uh, uh, the coach's favorite player from Indianapolis, I call him the teacher's pet, um, Zach Pascal. How much pressure is Rager under? Or could this actually play the other way? That there's no pressure, that he's now kind of buried on the depth chart, and all he has to do is come out and play ball. He doesn't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to sweat it. How is it going to go for Jalen Rager the first month of camp? How's it going to go? I think that's different than the pressure. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm at the point now where I, you know, I, I think anything you get out of Jalen Rager is, is a positive. Um, he's been bad. And I feel like we're, it's like piling on at this point because he knows he's been bad. We all know he's been bad. He's been a complete bust. Um, and he's got to, he's got to do everything he can to remove that label. And the problem is like, Yes, I think there's less pressure. Last year, he went into the season as the number two. This year, he's going into the season likely as the number five. So it's it, a lot of pressure off his shoulders, but a lot less opportunities, too. I mean, True. he's not going to see the field if everything goes to plan, you would hope. You know, if you have Devontae, AJ, and Quez out there, Zach Pascal is your four. Like, when's, yeah. when's Jalen Rager playing? Is he still maybe maybe you say all right? You focus on your punt returning duties, and you yeah. just make him the return punt game. That's it. Yeah, I mean that could be it. And so I think it removes the pressure, but I also think it removes the opportunity to do anything, which for yeah. the team is good because he's, he hasn't been a very good player. But for him, that's not a good thing because he's trying to play. He's trying to prove he's not a bust, and I, I just don't think the opportunity is there right now. And and he could have a great training camp, and it won't matter. You yeah. know, it's. Yeah, how many how gonna... many great summers is JJ Ortega Whiteside going to have? He really is a good summer player. Yeah. <laughs> Every year you can he you can really talk is. yourself into it, and you go. Oh, I mean, yeah. Here? I mean, people laugh at us, but he really is. Oh yeah. Um, at D Zangaro NBCS, uh, follow Dave on Twitter. You can read him at NBCSports.com backslash Philadelphia. Um, Dave, I'll leave it to you. We talked about Nick. A little bit i want to talk about the coaching staff as a whole because the band is back man this does not happen in the modern nfl this doesn't and when jonathan gannon didn't get the houston job and um 
little bit of interest in in uh, Kevin Petullo. I think it was Chicago. Brian Johnson, Green Bay could have been vice versa. Um, everybody's back, and my my thought process: this is it, man. Because the expectations are so high, one of two things are either going to happen: Jonathan's going to get a job, Shane's going to get a job, or the other, the bad part of yeah. that is. Jeffrey Lurie is going to come looking for some scapegoats. So yeah. you, you've got to go all the way back to 2017 where pretty much everybody – and even then Doug had to fight for Frank Reich's job. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it for this coaching staff, back together. And even 2016, they, they fired Greg Lewis. Yeah, Greg Lewis. Um, After that year. So it wasn't the yeah. same. This is rare for an yeah. entire coaching staff to be back. Yeah. I mean, Compl- it's – and Almost what, what do you think that that continuity means? The Eagles need to take advantage of this very very short window because I this is it as I said. Yeah, uh, I get what they're doing. I, I think there was a good it, not to reduce it to this, but I feel like there was a good vibe in the building last year with these mostly young, energetic coaches, and I think it it benefited them. You're right though. There's a ton. The expectations are high now, and. Um, it's after what they did last year, they're kind of overachieved and now it's, they're in a situation where, you know, the, the NFC is, it's, it's wide open. It really is. I mean, there's good teams at the top, obviously you have, you know, the Super Bowl champs at the top of the list, but they're in a division. That's not very good. They're in a conference. That's the lesser of the two. Yeah. Expectations should be high and you're right. It's one or the other with that coaching staff. They won't be together next year. It yeah. won't be. It'll be either someone's getting fired or someone's moving on for a, a coaching upgrade. What you have to hope is that the, the the front office doesn't come down with some wacky idea to bring in other schemes like they did at the end of the Doug era. Um, but still waiting uh, for Graham Harrell to come in. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, you're right, though. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but the, it. You're right. The, the the coaching staff right now, there's a ton of pressure on them, and we'll see how the, how how this whole unit deals with pressure. It's a lot easier to to be the team no one expects to do anything, and you're kind of playing with house money versus people expect you to win. They expect you to compete for the division title. They expect you to make a playoff run, and and that's a lot harder. It really is. Very true. Expectations are up for the birds this year. All right, last one for me. It's under your banner on NBC Sports Philadelphia, the Eagles uh, list top 25. But was it just you or did you get together with your buddy, Ruben Frank? Did Barrett Brooks get a look at the list before it went to print and uh, you decided exactly the order that you're going to put? No, I did it. It's my list. Um, I did. uh, I passed it by Rube just to say, all right, did I screw anything up royally here and he he said i, I could quibble with a few spots but I, no i think it's fine so i went with the with just my list that's the best way to do it is uh to quibble because mcmullen and i quibble every single day uh <laughs> so uh, we appreciate your joining the quibble today always great insight whenever you hop aboard dave thanks enjoy the next couple of weeks before you get to spend grass time and then you can quibble with mcmullen because he'll be standing <laughs> right next to you all right guys take care Thanks, Our Dave. pleasure. That's Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports uh, Philly.
Love to quibble. We that's what we do every day here on Bird Street. Got to quibble. quibble. You got to quibble, Jody. Makes yeah. life interesting. Exactly. And we appreciate those of you who jump on the stream. Oh, our favorite guy Dominic Dabney is back. The uh, number one uh, Quisky Tart fan. Love these guys on the stream. I know we don't reference them much, but I, I'm gonna. If, if Joe Krause is listening, we should get. Uh, we should do a, a Chikwaski Tart jersey giveaway. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Got to be the first one we give away this year, right? Yes. Who that AJ Brown guy, just because he's making $25 million. We don't really need this way. You might have to get that specially made, though. You're not going to get that off the rack. You might have to get that specially made. Uh, You don't think they'll have that mass produced by the time the Eagles get together? You don't think they're doing that right now? You don't think they're going to run out of cues? For the amount of jerseys that they're going to have to print out for Jaquitsky Tart? Yeah. Come on, I, I think there's going to be one more ones, number ones moving than uh, Jaquitsky Tart. But who okay. knows? Yeah, the quarterback. We always come back to the quarterback, don't we? All right. We got to come back here on Birds 365. You know what we got to do. Put a bow on the show. at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Alright, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. Alright, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
Brad Jeff, a Monday edition of Birds 365. We appreciate you tuning in. Why are you at it? The like button. What are we asking them to do, Johnny Mac? Uh, like, share, and subscribe, Jody McDonald. Can like, always, share, and subscribe. You can always use a couple extra likes as you're going out the door. Thanks for hopping on with us today. We need to thank uh, Emery. We have never had Emery on with the show uh, before today, and he did a great job for us uh, on uh, footballgameplan.com, a, a CBS HQ guy, a good film breakdown guy who isn't as big a Matt Corral fan as I am, but that's okay. That's, again, back to quibbling. That's what we do. We, yeah. we, we kick it back and forth. We don't always see it eye to eye. Sometimes we're proven right. Sometimes we're proven wrong. I'm a big Matt Corral guy, and I think he's going to become a starting quarterback. Remember what he said. At best, a QB2 in this league. Doesn't think he's just Called him Taylor Heineke, I believe, Jody. Oh, man, that was I crazy. like Taylor Heineke. He's a good backup quarterback. Taylor Heineke. But that's it. He's a backup quarterback, yeah. and he's going to be a backup quarterback this year. He's a backup quarterback who has been forced into a starting role. Yeah, Matt Corral's going to be better than Taylor Heineke. I'll, I'll, I'll remember that one for when we get uh, Mr. Hunt on again down the road. Uh, got two good guests planned for tomorrow. Brad Spielberg, our buddy from Pro Football Focus, is going to hop aboard. Um, last week, we uh, saw his article that said, Jordan Mailata the best team-friendly contract in the National Football League, which I don't disagree with. I think that my lot has got a chance to be Pro Bowl level and the Eagles got it over and done with. And if he had gotten a free agency, his number could have gone through the roof. So we appreciate the fact that uh, Brad did that. They've always got fun stuff to debate on Pro Football Focus. We'll get him on tomorrow. And then Tommy Lawler, who's been on with us before, uh, former Eagle beat writer from in town, now runs his own Eagles web website, eaglesblitz.com. Old school Eagle fan, started covering the team during the Buddy Ryan era. Uh, Tommy's been good with it when he's hopped on with us before. Looking forward to having him on uh, later this week. I Anything going to happen in the next 24 hours going to change our outlook on the Upcoming Eagle season, John McMullen? I do not think so, but I want to give people an early uh, heads up on Wednesday as well, because I just got a conversation from uh, confirmation from Will Hobson from the Washington Post. So we're going to have him on uh, Wednesday. And he was one of the ones who broke the Daniel Snyder, the most recent Daniel Snyder story about uh, paying off. uh, a woman uh, with the Washington Commanders. But the first Pulitzer Prize winner, I believe, on, on Birds Oh, did he win a Pulitzer? Yes, won a Pulitzer. Damn. Yeah. You've never won one of those, have you? I have not. Uh, right, you know, but I, I don't why. try. I, I, still, I stick to talking. I don't yeah. uh, get no. on keyboard and uh, work no. it the way you guys so, do. So there's a first, too. We had Emory as a first, first Pulitzer Prize winner. Cool. Should be a uh, good week. And one thing we can definitely run by him is, you know, Daniel Snyder is going to come even under more scrutiny this week because tomorrow starts the uh, uh, Deshaun Watson hearing. Oh, and part of the argument is going to be that the players are held to a higher standard than the owners are. That Dan Snyder only, only, only got fined $10 million dollars. Uh, because of all of the things that went down in Washington and uh, that this hearing should be held in the same esteem that the NFL holds themselves accountable when owners do things that are questionable slash reprehensive. 
Oh, Daniel Snyder's going to be talked about a lot. He's trying to hide in France, but I'm sorry. He's going to be uh, front and center in the National Football League conversation uh, going forward. Yeah, now the Raiders are having workplace issues as well. And Roger Goodell's got a lot on his plate, Roger. Maybe he gets a bump up from $62 million to $68 million. How about that? He earns that $60 million. Yes, he uh, does. As yes, the shield does. for the national fo- – he is That's the shield. They talk the about shield. the shield all the time. The shield is Roger Goodell. He's the shield for the shield. That's what he is. Very true. All right, J-Mac, uh, good show today. I say we do it again tomorrow. How about you? Let's do it. We will do just that. Be back here on Birds 365 in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.